welcome to Weekend Superstars. I'm John McHugh. And I'm George Moulton. And we're doing something a little different this time. Instead of uh, going down the old country route, we're going to go a little more rock and roll and more on the behind the scenes production side. And uh, we got, I guess, producer, engineer, uh, I know it's a bartender term, but I'm going to call you a mixologist, and uh, <laughs> just just because I like it, but Phil Weisenberger, how you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for being on here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. So, I came very close to coming with some Burger King today, because yeah. I've always had, like, a uh, every time I want to be in the studio since working with you, yeah. Burger King was the only stop for lunch when we recorded at Phil's place. I remember doing that. So now myself. anytime I do a session with anybody, I'm like, I have to find a Whopper in order to yeah. get in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost bought one on the way out here just oh, for, really? for old time's sake. Just, just, but I remember uh, lunch breaks being Burger King. And then uh, at the time, I guess Scott County was dry. Is it still dry? No. no. Not dry anymore, but... Uh, We'd always run to the last chance. Go to the, go to the county line. Yeah, at the yeah. county line and get a six-pack during mixing time or, yeah. or bounce down time yeah, or something like yeah. that. I just about moved from here when I when I first moved here. <laughs> and I told my guys, hey, man, I'm going to go down and get some beer for y'all help me move and everything. And they said, man, Scott County's dry. I'm like, what? <laughs> we got to go. <laughs> Something's not right here. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But, man, before we do the recording stuff, um, how did you get into music at all? Because you were in rock bands before you were producing anything, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. So I was, you know, in high school, I was in a band. Uh, as a, I guess a senior in high school, I was playing with some guys. Uh, then uh, I got hooked up with my younger brother, and his friends had a band. Um, and so I started helping them. And next thing you know, I'm playing with them and, and they were pretty good I mean these guys were like fifth, you know, freshmen in high school yeah. and they were really good so I started playing with them and that's kind of how I got introduced into recording I guess it's because we were trying to record ourselves in yeah. some fashion yeah. some way was this Funnel Did it, or Become Funnel yeah yeah. same guys we yeah. were called Lance a lot oh yeah and we used to because we, we all grew up in this neighborhood that's so uh, funny and so in the, ironic in the field over here there's a house, and we used to practice in their garage. These this, this this great couple, they loved us, and they were like, "If y'all need a place to play, you know, set up here in our garage." So we had like this key to a garage, and we'd go over there and practice. And I think Double Q had a contest, decent exposure at the time. So we were like, "Let's let's try to get into decent exposure." So I had uh, learned, you know, I'd been the live sound guy, I guess, for us, mm -hmm. and uh, had heard that you, know, you can get better quality if you record audio on a VHS tape. So I had to rig all this stuff up to go on a VHS tape and uh, it was all pretty much live. I, I didn't really know how to do anything four track at that time or any of that stuff. So uh, that was my introduction into recording, I guess. Talk about, is it Decent Exposure? Is that what it's called? That's, yeah, that's what it's called. Cause we haven't really come across that yet because mm -hmm. uh, most of the people we've had on the show so far have been in the country realm, and I don't think anyone's brought up. That was more of a rock contest, wasn't it? Yeah. But I feel like that was a big deal in the 90s. Yes, th this was probably uh, what did that 95, for the yeah. 90, probably 95 when we were trying to get it at that time. Yeah. Um, 
and it was so it was a it was a contest with Double Q, and then the winner would play Stakes Day, which was a big thing at the Red Mile. It had a big concert at the Red Mile infield. Yeah, you know, fifteen twenty thousand yeah. people. It was it was an That's event on Memorial Day. Yeah, you know, um, so we ended up getting in that contest a few years later when we formed Funnel, but uh, then you win. We did win. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't be, don't yeah, be. Don't be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leave out the good part. Yeah. So I guess you know after the band at that time split up. You know, we all the other guys graduated high school and they all split up. And you know, I was kind of trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And I ended up getting a job at the doo-wop shop mm-hmm. in Lexington, mm-hmm. and I was uh, kind of the PA guy. You know, yeah. I, I I could set up all the PAs and. Yeah, rent them out to everybody, and so then I got okay. Can you run sound for me? Can you run sounds? You know, I started doing yeah. live sound, a bunch of that, and got a was run sound at the Rockledge. There was a rock club downtown called the Rockledge. I'm trying to think, it was on Short Street, I think. I don't remember, but it was a great room. Um, so I was there for maybe a year or something. Yeah, and. In the meantime, I was starting to gather equipment to record people, and I would go into the Rockledge, like on Sundays when no one was there, bring a band in, wheel in all my yeah. stuff, we'd set up and record. I did, I did that cool. for, you know, I would I did it at the Rockledge a few times, and then um, I was going to people's houses, taking all my gear, <laughs> like traveling, to, traveling it around. It was, right. like, it was a it was a job, you know, yeah. bringing yeah. all your gear <laughs> and setting it up. Doing a session, so what, and then what would it you down. be bringing? Just uh, like a, a, like a four and eight track. No, at that time or? I had a, a little mixing board, uh, a little small sixteen channel board, and a couple of eight ats. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember eight ats. I remember the eight ats. I still got some eight ats with my, some of my stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I don't have it in machines anymore, but I've got some tape somewhere. Yeah. But yeah. I would wheel that in, and all my mics, and I had speakers and headphones and the whole bit, you know. Uh, so it was a I mean, just wiring still, it all up, a lot. Just yeah. wiring it all up and getting it set up. Yeah. Uh, you know, after about, I don't remember how long I did that, for maybe six months or so. And that then to be a job, though. It man. was a huge, you know, I, I realized, you know, about, you know, halfway into this, I was yeah. like, man, and, you know, you know, a little mistake of wiring something up and yeah. you've got like a bad cable and then the whole session stops and you're trying to figure it out. <clears> you've got limited time at someone's, house or whatever yeah mom's coming home man. yeah you know so it was like uh but then one of our songs i did got on the radio station and that kind of boosted my uh business so to speak you know i really got a big push behind me i did a band uh, called mothership with Dwayne. i don't know if y'all know Dwayne. Mm -hmm. he does a lot of productions and he's gone on to have a great career but um so that one of their songs got on the radio, and I started getting a bunch of calls, and I was like, "I've got to get a place to do this, you know." Yeah. And uh, found this place in Georgetown, <laughs> and and it was before where you came over. Georgetown. Yeah. I had another place. They just tore that house down. It. Oh yeah. Giles Farmer. Oh, okay. You know where Giles Farmer yeah. was? Yeah. This big house oh, in the yeah, front, the largest house. Yeah. They just tore it down. Yeah. And they're building. So there, I lived in the back in the basement and had and a studio, studio in the basement. There. Yeah, it was perfect because cool, yeah. uh, had no neighbors, you know. Nah. <laughs> I could sit and, uh, yeah. But that's, what did you end up recording tractors running all day? Or was, <laughs> it, was it there? That was it, it was still there, still yeah. There. No, that, it was a, 
very rarely would I have that, but yeah. you know, I would always. It became the crash pad. We were like, yeah. that's about the well, time. They, they just tore it down here recently, didn't they? They did. Just, whatever just uh, I think they're putting a grocery store. Is that what that is? Yeah. It's going to be one hell of a grocery store. Well, <laughs> that big thing is uh, another hospital. It's something. something to do with the hospital, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I couldn't remember. So yeah. you basically got into it by default. It wasn't really like I, growing up and looking up to producers or well, anything like that. you know, that. I, I think back... To some of that, because I got asked, like, how did you get... I was always the guy that would, like, go to the the party. And I'm always, like... I was the one tweaking, tweaking the, everything. the stereo. Yeah. You know, like, you know, they got the EQ all screwed up <laughs> yeah. on this thing. It sounds like crap. You know, I'm going to fix this. Yeah. You know, or I, I would always be the one trying to... I'd, I'd be the one that, like, would wire someone's stereo up or something at home when people had home stereos, right. you know. Oh, yeah. Nobody has that anymore. But, I mean, I would do that. And then... Um, you know, that was, my grandmother used to always record, we used to have like a little tape recorder, and we would record stuff on this tape recorder just for, I was a kid at that time. Right, right? yeah. So I remember doing a lot of that. But I never really did like a lot of four track, like what people did, like seemed like right around, right before when I got into this was, you know, cassette four tracks. Yeah. I just, I just jumped into the ADAT thing. Um, they had those at the doo-wop shop. And then I went to a school in Ohio. Chillicothe? I did, Chillicothe. Yeah. And, and really learned a lot about, you know, the whole process. I knew what I was, I knew what I wanted to do, but I just yeah. kind of learned, like... Well, I mean, it sounds to me like you've always had an ear for, for what what it's supposed to sound like, what something should sound like. Yeah, Maybe, which, yeah. Well, I think so. It was, it's what guided opinion. me, you know. It's like yeah. that, what I what I heard in my head. I, I do know sound men that don't have an ear for it. They they yeah. know all the the knobs and all the frequencies, and they know yeah. what it should sound like. But, yeah. You know, if if it doesn't sound like that, they don't know the difference. Right. Yeah. Know, so. yeah. So I mean, I think that's you know at least what I've experienced with you. So I'm just listening to you talk about you know I adjust the stereo. Yeah, that was my thing. I had ear. Yeah, what sounded good. I had to. It would drive me crazy. Like it's like, oh my gosh, listen to this. It's awful. You can fix that for him quick. Chillicothe was uh, you. The bands could record for free as a like a learning experience for you all for the students, right? Yeah. Is that how it worked? Yeah. Because I know several guys from Maysville that would go up there to record. Mainly yeah. because it was either cheap or it was free. So yeah. that's how I'd heard of Chillicothe was guys that had recorded there. And uh, so out of that, is that when Red House became a thing? Well, I, I, after um, after Chillicothe, I actually got a job at in Memphis at oh, okay. the House of Blues. And I went down there. At the time, I was still working at the doo-wop shop. And I had hooked up with a, a rock band out of Lexington called gold tooth display they used to be nonchalant then they became gold tooth display but i, I was running sound for them and yeah. doing demos for those guys so then i packed it all up and went to to memphis to the house of blues and i, I don't know i just you know i sh- maybe i should have stayed it was a in you know it was free work yeah i was just kind of getting my foot in the door and that's yeah. what you did at that time you would do work for nothing yeah and I didn't really have a place to live. <laughs> so I was like, how am I going to pay for, you know, yeah, live somewhere? I'm not making any money. Um, I got this killer band back in, in Lexington that, that I'm working with, you know. Maybe I'll just 
take my chance. You know, yeah. go back and work with these guys. I, I think they've got something. And uh, so that's what I did. I, I yeah. left the job down there in Memphis. Well, and, was and, that just running sound? With Goldtooth? No, at, at yeah. what? Uh, House of Blues? House of Blues? No, it wasn't running sound. I was like an intern, a runner. Oh, okay. So I was... Uh, you were working for the guy that was, was running the sessions. They were running the sessions, yeah. And so I was like gotcha. wrapping cables and watching. I went and got food. and, But I mean, they were doing, you know, Collective Soul and... Um, I'm trying to think who else had been there. But I know the, one of the guys that I had kind of made a connection with, he was one of the engineers on... Um, Collective, one of the Collective Soul albums in the second well, year, What year is this? This would have been 96. Okay, so the alt-rock thing's pretty hot at that time. Yeah. yeah. Johnny Lang, I think. Was that? Yeah. yeah, I think he had just yeah. been down there. And, you know, Stevie... I, the, what attracted me to that place was it used to be called Kiva. And, Kiva, and uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan had done an album down mm. there. So gotcha. I was a huge Stevie Ray Vaughan yeah. fan. And so... I was I was sending my resume to all these studios. <laughs> yeah. And when they called, I was like, "Oh God, dude, I'm I'm going down. Yeah. To yeah. Check it out. At least just to walk in the door, you know." So, wow. Yeah, I didn't know but, about your Memphis trip. So yeah, I mean, sometimes I think I wonder what. What could have been? What, what would have happened? You yeah. know, I may have been unemployed pretty quick. You know, because that's a it can be a. You know, you don't know, and because they end up selling the place probably in 2000 they moved the whole studio to Nashville mm. and so maybe I would have been left behind left behind <laughs> yeah you know so no telling um, it all but, worked out you know I, I sometimes I think that out. I've told somebody else that you know you know I kind of just I came back to Lexington uh, took out some a loan and got some more gear <laughs> and, and upped my game a little bit with some different equipment yeah. and uh that's when I moved into that house at the, at the Giles Farm Equipment. Was right around that yeah. time. Wow, I remember uh, when I first met you or first heard about you. Uh, I was just starting to decide I wanted to pursue this. Like it was just a notion. Like I'm gonna test the waters, kind of thing. And the only thing I had never done was record and didn't know how to do it. Didn't yeah. even know the first clue, which. I'm sure he, he probably cringed on those first <laughs> sessions, but I remember getting recommended to you, um, and uh, no clue what a studio experience was like. I just assumed I was going to like an actual like industrial road or something, and there's this big building with a studio, and I pull up to this house, you know, <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, okay, it's different than it's in. It was in the garage. It was in the garage, man. I had and uh, of course, it was a real studio. It was just small and in the garage. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, cool. This is cool. I have no idea what I'm doing. And uh, I remember Phil being the, the <clears throat> nicest, I guess, producer that, that I've ever come across because, again, I was clueless, <clears throat> and my stuff was not good. And Phil would be like... Uh, think you got a better one in you you know (laughs) in the nicest way possible or uh hey man uh if you do it this way we're gonna do it this way uh why don't you try it like this you know and and not really you sound like shit Uh, (laughs) man it's a delicate thing i mean musicians the the vibe with with musicians i think if you some guys like to be pretty hardcore yeah just like that sucks. You go home and practice and come back later. Right? Yeah. You're wasting our, you're wasting my time. Right. But um, I think you can break someone's 
accomplished oh, yeah. pretty quick that way. And yeah. musicians, uh, you know, can be uh, they can subconscious. they can be fragile. Yes, yeah. Right. So absolutely, you know, you got to be careful with what you're working with. Yeah. And you want to, you know, I, I don't like to break someone down and yeah. I'm not looking well, I'm not like the Marines here <laughs> you're either going to deal with one or two types or you're going to deal with the, the fragile type or you're going to deal with the one that's that's you know confident enough and got an ego that you're, you're going to either hurt their feelings or piss them off so you got to find right, right. Yeah. ways to, <laughs> yeah. to go about yeah. <clears throat> what I was getting at though is I, I got really lucky meeting you you were pretty much one of my first network people for when I first moved to Lexington because after that session, if I've mentioned anything about or where I recorded or whatever, everyone was like, oh, yeah, I know Phil. Yeah. I know Phil. I didn't realize how connected he was. And at the time, right. I was doing rock music, which was your main kind of thing at the time, was mostly rock stuff, right? Yeah. And uh, the the connections I got out of that and then the learning, we came back. I was doing stuff with Patchwork Soul. We did, what, three projects with you? I, did, I know I did an acoustic one and then two full albums yeah, yeah. with you. Uh, pretty consistent back to back in in a year or two, and uh, that was just a uh, huge learning experience. And then meeting other people through you or through someone who's been in the studio and working with you, and uh, I I got really lucky meeting Phil, and that led to continuing with you working with him and yeah. Hooden yeah. working with you, you know. Yeah. Uh, but um, the whole tell us about the ro- the rock scene. A little bit, because, uh, like you said, you you kind of specialized in that for a long time, right? Or are you I, just I, doing anything? I would do a variety of things, but that was more what people, you know, I guess... I was more of a live band guy, yeah. as opposed to, yeah. let's build... Build a track. Build yeah. a track, right. You mm-hmm. know, I was That's really all the way I envisioned it. So it was a lot of rock bands, and I think... One led to another, to another, and and so, um, you know, I'm trying to even think about the, the scene at at what time and what era and things. I mean, when I, when I started, I yeah. guess I started in, like I said, '97, and then when did Patchwork come in? That was in '06. '06 to '08. Yeah. Okay. And then I think. When did, we, was, it wasn't too. I don't think it was too long after. The no, last I, I want to say it was two thousand nine. Does that sound right? It could have been. Yeah. Golly. Mm-hmm. I know the good thing about it with me is if times got hard. You were in walking distance from the house, so you know. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> I, I do have. I got one funny story about recording at Phil. Mm-hmm. I don't know Uh-oh. if Phil remember this or not. It, it wasn't nothing that you did or anything like that. I remember we're, we're over there one night and 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 we're. Everything's rolling pretty good, and I get this text message from my wife. She'll love this story if she ever listens to our podcast. Yeah, and she just asked me a question. She asked me about who is this, and she says this girl's name. I said I have no idea. Well, she's messaged you on Facebook, and you know, of course, then I'm like, "What are you doing on my Facebook?" <laughs> you know, what? Well, who is it that don't? I said I have no. idea. And it turned out to be, I mean, she was hot. I had, I think I had to leave and go home and, and really <laughs> take care of it. Yeah. But what it turned out to be is like, well, these people that, you know, they'll send you a message. And then if you like friend request them or something, they'll, they'll want you to send them money for oh, nudie yeah. pics or yeah. whatever. And I'm like, I, you know, and I had no idea. I looked at her profile and she had like 
you know, six friends, and they're all guys, and I'm like, how this happened? <laughs> like, I was sure that I knew this woman, yeah, you yeah. know, and she was saying all this stuff on Messenger that was just oh, awful, man. and I'm like, oh, they still are gotta go, I gotta yeah, take care yeah, of some family yeah. stuff. Dude, I'll, I'll, I might be divorced time I get married. Man, I tell you, those some, I tell my some of my best memories of that, those sessions were when Tim oh, yeah. came over, yeah, and and I remember. I can still almost see it when you were singing um, Angels. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. You were singing Angels, that that, that lead vocal down, and, and Tim was in there <clears throat> listening to you do it. And yeah. That, that was, uh, I can still see that in my mind. Man, I, I, I saw him, or I heard him sing that song down at uh, uh, the Sterling Saloon. Yeah. I mean, the awfulest place I was ever in my life, but we had fun. You know, Tim had one of them voices where he'd go to hit a note, and you listen to the way, even even the way he talks, you're going, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way he can hit that note. He's, you know, and then he would somehow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, I couldn't, you yeah. know. Yeah, but that song killed me, man. I knew as soon as I heard it, I had to record it on yeah. something. But, yeah, it was cool having him there when we did it, for sure. Oh, I think man. we even tried to record some gospel stuff or something that night, didn't we, with Tim singing some We may have. Out. We may have. It's, I don't. It's hard to say. I, what I, was, uh, so when, when, by the time I met you, we were already in the digital era. Yeah. And um, so that's the only recording that I know. I've never done tape or ADAT or anything like that. Like, um, yeah, I was I was using a computer at the time. Right? Yeah, you were already into Pro Tools, doing yeah. the computer. Uh, we were recording live, but that was other than that, everything had changed over to digital. Yeah. And that was almost twenty years ago. Yeah. What's your approach now? Has it changed much? No, it, it really hasn't. I mean, I actually I I bought a tape machine a few years ago. Really? Because I I just there's a there's a process um, about committing to that kind of thing. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I, I I've always enjoyed that. Uh, it takes a different caliber. I mean, you have to have your your chops together. You can't yeah. just come in and go. I think I know what we want to do. I mean, as a band, you've yeah. got to be uh, ready to play yeah. if you're going to record. Yeah, you're not going to cut and slice. There's and, none of that. No, no you know, and I'm not going to edit this and nudge it around right. and get your get you all back in time. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got to play it right, and and there's a simple workflow to that whole thing. And, and computer, you can still do that with a computer too. You just have so many tools at your disposal. Yeah. That. You have to avoid the. I want to try this. I want to try because yeah. there's when you have a lot of options. You normally you're, you know, you just want to try things. Yeah. And um, burn up a lot of time. You do. Really. You do. You can waste a lot of time. It's uh, it's better to know your uh, your tools, and and uh, and use them mm-hmm. when needed. You know, yeah. and, and focus on the music. Yeah. Uh, the music is priority number one. Uh, so I like to get people to um, <laughs> know, what know, what they, know, know what they want to do. I mean, yeah. I, there's also I've worked with people too that just have an idea, and, yeah. and we'll start that too. But yeah, um, it's a different thought process. But as far as the technology goes, though, you're just basically going with the flow with the new stuff, or you not no old habits sticking around or anything like that. As far as I mean, I do have my workflows. Yeah, I think the microphone is like the most important sure part of the whole chain i learned that kind of backwards you know uh-huh. <laughs> you can go chasing all this new uh 
preamps and compressors and they do add elements to the sound they're great and i, I like some, i have some nice stuff but um a, a good microphone is like a yeah you know you need that well, I, I i mean not knowing that you need that here but i mean i learned that doing the radio thing you know everybody kept telling me to get this when i started doing my radio show yeah get this and get this preamp get this and you know yeah. finally somebody's like spend your money on your mic don't worry about the other crap if you get a good mic it's gonna turn out all right exactly and that's that's what i did so i mean i i got a mic a little little bitty preamp thing i plug into and a, and a laptop and i mean some of those like the technology for you know converters and preamps have, have gone so far right over the past 10 years yeah. it's it's a, you can get a lot for your money now but i'm not going to say that like cheap stuff is as good as the expensive stuff yeah um a good if i if i was going to spend my money anywhere it's going to be on microphones and speakers that's it you know (laughs) if i had to do it all over again that's where i'd start i'd start with a good microphone and a good set of speakers so that you can hear what you're capturing yeah and then use your ears have all right so this is we're going to go down gearhead era so some of these people aren't (laughs) probably going to be interested in this but i am well i don't Uh, know (laughs) i might be interested but so, almost everything that's listened to now is streamed. Yeah. Very low quality MP3 or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and you were talking about getting good speakers or good monitors or whatever to, for playback in here and yeah. to mix. Does it bug you to hear what you record and then hear <laughs> it doesn't bug me. what's on streaming and knowing that it's not fully there? It's been like that sometimes in, in some ways, like radio was never exactly how you yeah, yeah. put it out because the radio would run through lots of processing. When I hear stuff back that I did yeah. when it was on the radio, it was like, oh, that's just, something's different. <laughs> something's you know, wrong. something's way off. Yeah. Right? Right. I mean, because they, they're going to boost, they're going to compress it and, and boost it. So, I mean, I, I'm, I can hear a difference in MP3s and all, sure. you know, it's a streaming. Yeah. Um, especially when you take like, you'd be surprised, I guess the CDs, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually pretty, I mean, I think if you compare a CD and then the MP3 and you and you can really hear a, de- a difference yeah. in the detail and stuff. That's where it is, is the detail in the, in the quiet parts. Yeah. It's not so much the loud parts. It's the, it's, it's the real detail in the quiet sections. And certain dynamics and stuff you might lose or whatever. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I hear, especially old timers will complain about it and like uh, Neil Young's Pono's thing that he was trying to, to get yeah. off, you know, whatever. But where most people don't even, your average listener couldn't care less. That's but then you would spend hours and hours mixing something and getting it a certain way and then you, the band comes in to listen to it and they're pumped, yeah. man, it sounds great yeah. in here. Yeah, yeah. Does it ever feel like wasted time? No, because I... Um... I care about it, you know. Right. I I care about all those details of the music. And yeah. That goes back to me just like um, obsessing over sound. Yeah. You know, I I really like. I'll, once I get started on something, then I I'll, I'll go into like, I get something in my mind that I want to focus on, and it doesn't I mean people listen. You're not to even it. thinking about the future and what it's gonna sound like later on. Well, I, I mean, I guess I'm not worried to like, how's it going to sound when it comes, like, I'm not thinking that far ahead. I'm thinking like, I want this to sound as good as yeah. I can get it, yeah. you know, that's my goal. And 
how everybody consumes it. I mean, I don't have any control over that. Right. If if they're consuming it, that's yeah. great. You know, I'm honestly, you know, I, I think it's I'll be happy if people. Well, and your audience. I mean, when they hear it, that's the only way they've ever heard it. So they people today to compare that's, it to. That's right. You know, I see my son. He's nineteen, and that's that's what. That's this is the you know that's the new radio in some yeah. respects you know yeah. Oh, yeah. like yeah. Spotify and Apple Music and all that that's the yeah. new radio. It um, it bugs me sometimes uh, because I, I like all right for instance when you're mixing something I've been getting into that recently doing that myself is you might have to mix it a certain way for Apple Music hmm. and then mix it a different way for a CD or. Vice versa. You might have to yeah. do like three different mixes to fit a certain format when back in the day it's just one it's just mix one, and one mix yeah. and that bugs me. Yeah. And I try I try to adapt to new stuff, but I always end up going back and I'm like, man, I just wish we could just do this. I wish people wouldn't, wouldn't just listen to music on their phone. That's the one you know, I mean they'll, yeah. they'll that's all they'll listen to just on their phone, you know. Yeah. And without headphones too. Yeah, just yeah. the music on the phone and you know, you can't get anything. That just right. Crap. But that is a good judge. If you, you've got to think about that too. Like I'll when I do mixes, I'll listen to it just on the crappy phone. Yeah. To see how it's going to sound. It's almost like the new car test. It it in some ways it's yeah, it's like the yeah. little crappy speaker test. You know. Because we would always go to the car to I test still, mixes. That, that you know was, that, that was, was the test. Because that's do, where you listen to music. I still do that. You know. Yeah. I'll, I'll get a mix done, and I use Dropbox a lot. Uh huh. And so I'll just throw things on Dropbox, and I can play Dropbox song. You know what I mean? I just, yeah. That becomes my new CD, and yeah. I just drive to work or go wherever I'm going, and I listen to it. And you know, you kind of know what your car stereo, how it brings things back. Yeah. And I, but I've gotten so used to the room that it's, 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 you know, th- things. Tra- luckily, things translate. Yeah. Better, you know, than when I first started. That was a huge challenge when I first started. Right. Like getting your stuff it sounds great in the room you go out there it's like yeah there's no bass dude it sounds like crap (laughs) or it's all bass yeah that was a big thing it was like i can't get this i can't get that figured out that's Uh, but that's a learning and that's where it goes back to like good speakers good microphone you know because if you can hear and you and you know what you're what you're listening for you should be golden right Mm -hmm. i think (laughs) i gotta share a quick memory because you were talking about it doing ex- experimenting with certain bands and whatnot one of my favorite recording moments that i've ever been involved in so we did a song with patchwork where we'd already cut it it was done and i think we'd gone home for the day or whatever but we had a session the next day and i had an idea at home the night before i was like man i would really love to do some beatles type thing and like have a reverse guitar track or something you know but I don't know how to do that. And I'm thinking in my mind watching old documentaries and how they would actually have the tape and reverse and do these magic tricks to make that work, right? Like, I'm going to talk to Phil and just see what he's got in mind. I was like, do I have to learn how to play the guitar a certain way for it (laughs) to sound correct once it's backwards? Yeah. It's like, I'm clueless. So I just bring it up to Phil. And he's like, oh, it's it's easy. Here's a clue button. It's reversed. And I was like... Oh, okay. Uh, and then he's like, but he, he mentioned to me, he's like, you're going to have to play it a certain way yeah, or you, you might want to try to play it a certain way. Yeah. You want to you begin with your, 
your ending note. Right. So that when it ends, it that that pitch matches where you're going to end so up. So the yeah. song that we're talking about has a intro lick, guitar yeah. lick, and he just was goofing off. He said, like, "Well, let's just try something. Let's take this one section, copy it, flip it, and we'll put it at the end and just see what it does, and then that will tell you how you need to play it." Well, it turned out it sounded fantastic, and we didn't do anything. Didn't do we, just, we just flipped it and moved to the back, and we both were like, oh, well, that was easy. <laughs> and it's still one of my favorite things that we've ever done. Like I listened to that, and I'm like, that reverse track was perfect, yeah. and it was completely unplanned and not worked out. It was just, a, hey, let's just move it. All those sessions it. for you guys were, were really great, man. They we had out, a lot had of ideas. Good, some good stuff that came out of there, man. I, yeah. I really liked uh, all the, a lot of the songs. We were... Uh, we had mentioned before on, on the podcast about that band being not necessarily having an identity crisis, but we had no set genre. Like everything was different and each song was yeah. an experiment, you know, and it was yeah. more of a, like a Radiohead type band. Yeah. And yeah, we had a lot of ideas and again, we were new to it. Yeah. And so we learned a lot coming to Phil's because we were just trying stuff. Was, Sometimes that's the best know. way though, man. You know, and like, uh, that was the first time I learned about double tracking vocals. Oh, I mean, yeah. stuff yeah. like that. We did that with Robert and yeah. I thought there's no way he's yeah. never going to be able to match his vocal exactly. how he did the first take and I was clueless, you know, yeah. and it worked out. He did. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So just it learning is. little things like that in the studio, man. It has to be a good idea that when you're recording, I mean, I would think, record everything that's going on. You know, sometimes because you just never know what you're going to stumble across, what you might go back. Yeah, if you're like in, a, in like a, a session where you're just like uh, kind of hashing out ideas or yeah. just all playing together for an extended period of time, yeah. it's as cheap as like it is to record now, like our hard drive space, not, which is essentially tape. Yeah. Just hit it and let it go. Well, yeah. I don't know how many times we would we would stop and discuss an idea and fiddle with it for a second and then be like, Okay, Phil, I think we I think we got it. Let's do it. And he's already I said, I'm rolling. Y'all just y'all just go. Wait, he's well, like, I've been rolling yeah. the whole time. Yeah, I, I learned that early on. Yeah. Like, uh, don't tell people that you're like it's always great to say, Yeah. Uh, you go ahead and warm up, I'm just gonna get some levels. Well, yeah. That's a great what got me thinking about that was uh, and I think it was uh it was on an ACDC album. I think it was might have been the Night Prowler song off the Highway to Hell. Album, yeah. Where Bon Scott, they actually recorded token on a joint. Really? You know, before I'm talking about where he... I think so, yeah. Yeah. And they leave, they leave it on leave the track. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just like, you know, if they hadn't been running the, the track, you know, he didn't know he was ready to play. He so he's just in there yeah. cranking one up. If, if you don't tell people that they're And it's a little bitty relaxed. tiny thing that don't mean, but it just sounds cool on the record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, it all kind of gives it a a, a real human yeah. touch to it. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of those, mis- especially mis- like mistakes. Oh, yeah. I forgot who was it. I think it was, I read something recently, like Rick Rubin says that it it needs to have like three or four mistakes, you know, yeah. like it, yeah. it gives it a human touch to it. Like, well, and that, that, that would lead me to another question for you. I mean, because I'm, I'm a fan of back in the day when you could still buy a record, yeah. you know, like we talked about the tape and, yes. and all that stuff. And, and there was so much stuff either a, the only way they could fix it was just to keep redoing it. They couldn't go in there and clip it and put this, right. you know, so you come out with a lot of, I won't 
won't say mistakes, but stuff, you know, this guy might be a little off pitch here and a little, you know, but, but it adds that human feel to it. Yes. And with the digital age, right. I mean, I think in a lot, well, in just about all recordings you hear today, you've lost that completely. Some of it is so master, I mean, just so slick. It, yeah, it, it I'm, I'm, I'm like back and forth on the whole click track grid thing because music sometimes should have a push and pull to yeah. it. Yeah. And sometimes you can get, uh, you can chop drums up and make that to where it's almost robotic. And yeah. It doesn't have any kind of, you know, but some music it, it works fine for. And, you know, music really should uh, give you some kind of emotion. Uh, you should feel yeah. something. So, But I, I would assume that all depends on the artist you're, you're recording. It too, does. What they're capable of doing and how much, you know, right. uh, hoopla so, you have to throw in there. To right. Play. I mean, some guys can play to a click. Yeah. Um, and they don't sound like they're playing to a click. And it's like... Like holy shit, it's like right. this is great. Yeah, you know, like I don't want to brag on my cousin, but I remember he was like, fifteen years old, and came over, and he played, and it was locked in, and it just didn't, you know, it was just. I was like, this, this is great. He's fifteen, and he's like nailing stuff. Is that Miles. Miles. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. He was he was that good, like that young. I mean, it was like wow, and it, it just had this feel to it, you know, and it was it. So then I realized, you know. Some people can do it. Yeah. It's just not about uh, not playing with the click. It's just sometimes you just have to know how to play with it and things. And maybe the same thing, you know, about, uh, and I'm sure most people know this by now, but, you know, with your Pro Tools and stuff, all the vocal tunings and you all can, this stuff oh, you yeah. can do, yeah. uh, you know, uh, it's just... You can get carried away. You can get carried. You get away. get carried away. I mean, away. it's it's nice to have, and it, it saves a lot of time. Yeah. You know, if you want to do it that way, but I think it's it's I think some people kind of. That's the I, other I thing. Bastardized is, the process and made it to where well, don't worry about that. You don't have to sing. Right. You don't have good. to sing. Yeah. Just give me a couple of takes, and yeah. I'll, and I'll take care of the yeah. rest from here. Yeah. You know. Um, Talented people don't, don't right, require right. that, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't. I won't say there's the untalented, but I mean, like people that are really, really. But I'm not going to talk bad about some of the music on the, on that's on the radio and stuff. Sure, you can leave so, all that to me. I'll talk. Some about of those it. guys are not, you know, they're they're right. not. They're not, you know, they're well, I mean, like, selling a product, which is, I understand that. Yeah. If, you're, if you're recording a song, let's say, you know, we're recording a song and, and it's, the choruses are all the same and, you know, the guy goes in, he sings that first chorus and nails it. There's no point in going back and just, just fly just, that chorus on and, copy that over. and go on over, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that I understand in the process of saving time and stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, but and that doesn't, to me, that doesn't take the, the feel or the, the yeah. stuff out of it. It's right. just when... You know, you can almost hear when somebody's singing. You can almost hear that little glitch behind them, and and you know what it is when you hear it. Yeah. You know, well, we would. Most people wouldn't know, but you know. To get, you know, when everything sounds like perfect, nice and polished, and yeah. so you know, you know, you can tell. But I mean, there have been some great records made in the seventies that sound like that, but they just spend a lot of time. Yeah. You know, and they were really talented folks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You think about like. You know, like like Queen, like the vocals oh, on yeah. that Queen stuff. You know, like how they layered that stuff and uh, Fleetwood Mac. And that, I mean, the, those guys 
Oh, and that's game, the, I mean, you know? that was that was some work back then. That was, I mean, know, they can probably go in and do that now. They had to have their stuff. You know, they were well re- rehearsed. Yeah. I'm sure in some respects, they they kind of knew what we were going to do. Yeah. Um, and how we're going to do this, and 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 they were visionaries too. Though they had yeah, know, yeah. a nice right. You know, we're talking about like you know, Fleetwood Mac and Queen. These guys, right? You know, you were uh, you mentioned Miles earlier who ended up playing with Sturgill. Um, did you ever, since you've been doing your own business, has anything you've recorded gone to a place that you never expected as far as uh, radio play or being a hit or recording somebody who ended up going somewhere and doing something big? Did you ever come across anybody really special? I mean, there's been a lot of special folks. George, one of them. I mean... Oh, he ain't done shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but there's been some cool guys. I remember like uh, a young T- Tyler Booth. Yeah. He came in here, but he was really young. It, yeah. it was like his first thing he was doing. Um, and, you know, and Miles, My- I kind of had a feeling about Miles when he was young. You know, he brought in his, he was in high school and had a rock band. Yeah. And, and uh, but he just had this, um, the way he played, you know, was, mm-hmm. was pretty solid. I mean, there's been a lot of, great folks I've worked with. Nothing's gotten like, I don't know, I don't like keep track of it too much. <laughs> right, you right. Know, you know? There's, there's no Grammys on the wall. Once it's out the door and the yeah, check I mean, period. I do, I'm yeah. saying, it's more about the personal relationships and, and, and yeah. the great music yeah. and things of like that, but I mean, uh, you know, kind of once I get done with a, a project, I'm not listening back to it mm-hmm. over and over. You know, like, I, I, I'll listen to it so We've much. listened to and it five hundred times. And then I'm already. not really following it so much as like what what's yeah. what's going on with it. And yeah. It's been I've been doing it a long time, so there's a lot a lot of stuff. But I'll you know right. once I listen to something for five hundred hours or five thousand hours, yeah. whatever I've done on it, you know, it's you know it. You know, I've listened to it five hundred you know, hundred times or right. or more mixing it and so um but there's been I'd have to look back at the list of all the people I've worked with. Yeah. I don't really keep track. Some I'm sure probably slipped by you. No, yeah, I don't. I, I, I need to look at the list. I need to yeah. keep a little uh, who's who and what who came here and yeah. what all that because it's been sure. a long time. I, I, yeah. Like we were talking earlier about how time, my perception of time is 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 yeah. really changed. Uh, That's right. And things and how long I was doing it. You know, when I started and I was traveling to people's houses, and that was probably six months to a year. And then I was at, uh, I, I call it the Giles house. That's what I call it, <laughs> that era of time. Yeah. And I think I was there for uh, five years, and it felt like, you know, that yeah. seemed like a long time then. And then I think it was at 10 years at the other place. And then I've been here eight. Right, it's yeah. Just, yeah. Time just moves on. Man. That's but, crazy. I'm going to switch gears on you real quick. Because uh, I'd feel bad if I didn't mention it, but it's like I said, when I first moved to Lexington, you were one of my big contacts of networking and knowing this person and that person. And oh yeah, we know Phil. We know we've recorded at Phil's, but you're also as famous locally for your other job. <laughs> yeah. At Weisenberger Mill. Yeah. Um, the family business. Yeah. In the family business for how many generations? Six. Six. Wow. Six generations. Because I remember the first time that. I saw a packet at Kroger and, and didn't have the connection because I already worked with you. Yeah. And I didn't know about that. And I was like, oh, 
Weisenberger flower. What the cool? It's the same guy. What, what's this? And, yeah. and then it turns out it was all Phil stuff. <laughs> and then it seemed like it blew up. You know, a few years after that, like you were in every Kroger, and the aisle got <laughs> the aisle got bigger. And then there was little segments in the um, little basket, local baskets, and all this stuff. And yeah, the flower was all over the place. And yeah. I'd see people posting. Uh, I follow several chefs around town, and yeah. They always note when they're using Weisenberger flour, you know, and how's, how's that feel to have a legacy like that as well? You know, that's another thing that uh, I, I grew up in it. You know, I started out there when I was pretty young. I mean, I was yeah. like 12, I think I started yeah. working at, at the middle when I was 12. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things when you're there every day, uh, you just don't, um, don't sit and think about it too much because we're still hands on. I mean, I'm there sure. every day. My dad's there yeah. and, um. But it is, it's, when I stop and do think about it, it is really cool because it's, you know, it's family-owned business. It's been in business for, you know, our family for 150 plus years. You just don't see that kind of stuff. That alone's amazing, yeah. And uh, and then all these great chefs that use our product, it's it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's... And the reach of that is is really great. I see it all the time. Uh, I'm not necessarily a foodie, but... We do like to indulge in a nice restaurant occasionally, and it, there's always Grits. on on the the menu we yeah. use Weisenberger, yeah. you know, yeah. almost always, and that's just awesome, awesome man. Yeah, that that we've been uh, lucky and blessed for the these great chefs that use our products for that. Yeah, because <laughs> they are the stars. We're just kind of like providing a great a little you product. The right product. Yeah, I guess. Store, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to mention that and give them a big plug real quick. Oh we'll, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll go back to the music. <laughs> That's what here I'm real used quick. to talking about. Yeah. That. You know, I'm usually doing those kind of um, things. Yeah. Normally, we have a tradition of asking a certain question, but I'm going to change it a little bit since we're dealing with the production side of things. Um, mm-hmm. And we were kind of talking about it before we started the podcast, but is there a studio, like if you could work at any studio bucket list, Man. what would be the number one to work at? And is there one you have worked at that step? You know, no, I'm a, I don't know. I've never really sat and thought like, I'd like to go here and do this. I'd, yeah. I do muscle shoals would be awfully cool. That yeah. whole era down there and yeah. the the vibe that's always felt like you know it's not too high classy you know like fancy yeah. shiny mm-hmm. uh, stairwells and whatnot um, it has character yeah I right. kind of like some character yeah. but I, I also like some cool gear so like, <laughs> you know yeah. it'd be cool to you know but sometimes uh, yeah, I don't know there's always I'll, I'll walk into a, a cool room and be like I Set up here, you know. <laughs> Stomp your foot here, the acoustics. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I got a vibe here. Yeah, yeah, you know, like some old houses are awfully cool. Yeah, I haven't really dealt on like where. Cool Have you ever gone to visit any, just as a tour or anything like that? Because we were talking about sun earlier, and yeah. wanting to do do just, that. Just the place that I I guess I went to a couple in Nashville. I wandered around in when I was looking for a place to to uh, to go to school, mm-hmm. you know, at that time. But you know, that's something I did. I've been to several in Nashville, and every one of them completely different. Uh, yeah. And some of them are so 
big and pristine and nice and I was bored out of my mind. Yeah. And then I'd go to like Omni, yeah, for instance, Small which place. has been there for how many years? Oh, and I mean, I'm sure they've never changed the carpet since they opened. No. It no. has character, you yeah. know. Yeah. And it's just, I I lean more towards that kind of thing. Like it has a vibe, you know. Yeah, like you I'd, you I'd rather do that than go into this big church looking place. You almost yeah. feel a little nervous, like you go into those fancy places and like you're, like, you're, you're, not, you're gonna knock something over, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. I'm, I'm gonna, yeah. gonna, Am I going to walk into the wrong room or am I going to, you know... It's intimidating, you know, and you I don't like that at all. It the vibe of, you know, making some music, you know, and yeah. that's what it's all about. Well, we did the... Of course, I recorded down there at the Omni, and then the County Q, we've got a bunch of stuff over there. And I love that because you could walk in, man, and open the fridge, and there'd be a, you know, 12-pack of Old Milwaukee's Best or something. <laughs> did you ever go to Sound Kitchen? I've been there. I've never, I've never done anything there. So I did an audition at Sound Kitchen one time, and that was one of those places that, I mean, it's not, don't, if you're listening, which I doubt, but don't take any offense, but you walk in and I felt like they spent more money on the lounge area for the band to hang out than anything else. Yeah, yeah. And I was just kind of like, I have zero interest in recording here, (laughs) you know, like, they were more concerned about the TVs in the lounge room or something and showing off, like, as soon as you walk in the lobby, like, look what yeah. we've got. And then you walk in, you're like, man, this ain't shit, yeah. you know? Right. I think some of those places, you know, maybe they cater more towards uh, corporate clients or something. Right, They yeah. might be doing TV and, or, you know, I think they, they get impressed by that kind yeah. of stuff. But, yeah, yeah, and videoing while they record and yeah. having something to look at or whatever. Yeah. Well, I've got a crazy question. I don't know, I'm trying to figure out because it's part of kind of how... You know, you do the bucket list stuff. And not, try not to put yourself in the mindset of who your favorite person, band, whatever is to listen to. But if you go back in time and history and record anybody, oh, wow. who, who would that person or that band be? Oh, man. Just for the, you know, just that. Just working with them. Just working with them. Yeah. Just, You know, being a Stevie Ray Vaughan fan, I, I probably would like yeah. to do that. Because it kind of checks off all my, I like a band that... You almost become just... For a band like that that's alive-natured, Yeah, you just kind of so put them in a spot and you get out of the way. Yeah. You know, and I kind of... That's one thing I like to do is like... Mm-hmm. Just create the environment, capture it, and stay out of the way. Yeah, you right. Know? And that would be a an artist I guess would work pretty well with that he he was more of one of those let's get the album done in 12 hours instead of let's experiment for two months on it you know there's like multiple you know you can listen to him do different over the course of many years oh he changed yeah Yeah, he might have recorded the song here and then a couple years later it's recorded here it sounds different you know it's just just, and he always seemed to me like I mean because he's he's probably my absolute favorite guitarist period oh yeah put him in blues or whatever yeah I mean, i've said a thousand times i said I, I give up every song i ever sing if i could play guitar like it yeah i mean i, I am but but he to me he was one of those guys that i always felt like he he just went with whatever was flowing through him at the time and that's how he played it yeah you know i've never heard him play a solo exactly the same i've heard you know spots in it i, remember, I wish i recognized what it was but i was gonna go see him at Bogarts in Cincinnati it was it was uh, Stevie Ray and Jeff Beck. 
Oh wow! And I was like, uh, I'll get, I'll catch him the next time. And then like two months later, he, he died. And oh. I was like, yeah, that was a good lesson, you know. Like, yeah. don't ever put. Don't something, ever say I'll catch him the next yeah, time. Yeah, don't put things off. Yeah. There's something you really want to do. You Especially just, you a small it. venue like Oh yeah, Bogart's. Now both yeah. of them are gone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's and crazy. then I, I think there was a video that came out after he passed away live at Elmo Combo. Have you ever seen oh, that? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, that was a life changer, too. Like, watching that live. That was early. one that we would watch on the bus going they forward. Had, I always uh, brought that on. The Austin City, uh, the Austin City Limits. Austin City Limits one? Yeah. I had a yeah. disc, and it was two of them. It was two performances. One yeah. pre-cocaine, one, one pre-cocaine, after cocaine. One pre-cocaine, one after he was, <laughs> I was straight. Yes, yeah. You I can tell that. a huge difference. Yeah. Oh, I, well, I mean, I loved, I loved the, the cocaine playing better than I did the, the <laughs> yeah. playing. I mean, he was just... Yeah, you can, you can really see he that. Just, he was just somewhere, man. You could tell that he was... I mean, he looked so much better on the second one. He was right. obviously healthier yeah. and everything, but but the first one was just ungodly the way he was playing stuff. Yeah, yeah. he was he was on fire for sure. Well, man, before we run out of time, uh, I assume you're still open for business. You're still taking. I'm still doing taking this. artists after in. all these years. I'm still uh, <laughs> talking it away. Tell us how to contact you or, or get a hold of you, um, and if there's anything. Exciting coming up that you need to plug or something with the with the mill or anything. Just let us know something about you right now. I don't have any plugs, man. I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just doing my thing. I, honestly, I'm not a, a frills dude. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. There's a um, Red House Recording is on. That's what I, I've been going by since I started this thing yeah. twenty plus years ago. You know, um, or you can find me. You know. Uh, on Facebook as well. It's I don't really have a website or yeah. anything that promotes me uh, f- full scale. But uh, you know, well, if if, uh, thing. if I can vouch for you, uh, I highly recommend coming to Red House and recording. Wow, and uh, definitely uh, thank you for our friendship for the, almost twenty years now. Uh, it's been. A good one and still going, sure, and uh, ages, de- de- definitely have. Uh, I've learned a lot coming here and recording stuff, and uh, definitely gained some knowledge sitting in in this booth right here. You know, yeah. Well, thanks, but uh, really thanks for being on the show, man. Yeah, thanks, thank you guys. Thank you all very much. Absolutely, and until next time, later. later. You've been listening to Weekend Superstars with John McHugh and George Moulton. Tonight's guest was Mr. Phil Weisenberger, producer, engineer, and as I call him, mixologist extraordinaire out of Georgetown, Kentucky at Red House Studios. If your band needs a good recording, check out Phil. I promise you, you're in good hands. So guys, until next time, we'll see you all later. Thanks.